Well, hello, and welcome to Reanimated. This is uh, Stuart, one of your hosts, and joining me in New York is H.A. Conrad. Hello. 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 Today, we are going to be talking about the next two episodes in the Mayfair Witches, the uh, Anne Rice witchy series from AMC. But before we get there, there was one little tidbit of news. Uh, oh, actually, here's a question for you, H.A. Have you broken down and watched any of Silo yet? I have not. I was saving it. Have you watched it? No, not yet. I was really strongly considering it. I um, was too, but then I'm like, I can't do this without talking to Stuart because we were supposed to review this. Well, we still we can. We still have a few, and we have a few witchy things to get through. So we got I, some witchy things. And you know, you know my sort of like, I can't keep track of things. So if we're actually going to do like a review, I kind of have to actually just do it one or two at a time because I... Yeah. I, I just blend the storylines and I and I give away spoilers and things like that. So all of your memories combine into one giant they memory do. blob. This is just what happens. This is what happens. Anyway. But in silo news, other than the fact that you and I have both maintained our chastity, um, is <laughs> I saw this post. I think it was on Twitter. Hugh Howie saying, "I can't believe people think this ad is real." He's the author of the book series upon which Silo, the show on uh, Apple plus TV or whatever the hell it's called uh, is coming out. And so there's this Instagram link to a luxury listings account talking about, um, you know, new, new luxury bunker housing now available 144 underground stories live in the world's first subterranean community. Um, and then there's the, actually a URL to silo residences. And so he was freaking out that, or, or, you know, making a comment that, you know, people seem to be reacting as if it was real. That could also be the PR firm creating fake accounts and saying, why would anybody want to live underground? You know, it's just to continue the clickbait. But what did you read through any of this? And did you go to the website and watch their video? Yeah, and all and it that? was an odd. I, you know, I honestly wasn't sure that it was actually like show sanctions because it was so strange. It's very adjacent. It's not they don't actually ever give you the wink. <laughs> <laughs> right. Know? And so I was like, did the did like a fan create like but it's pretty uh it's pretty detailed for somebody to just be doing this. So yeah. I don't know. It was a little unusual, but hey, I'm all for you know, unusual stuff. So I I have no issue with it. Uh yeah, I mean the, the other part of it that that I guess the wink is that the um they're showing a lot of the uh what's that concept art. Yeah, for for what we've already seen in the show, the the clips that we've seen of the of the bunkers. So that's your clue. This is the show. I'm pretty sure that with if Hugh is if Hugh Howie is on uh, the internet saying this is an ad, he's he probably had seen some part of it too. Uh, I'm excited to see the show. I think this. I love this kind of guerrilla marketing too, uh, even though it's usually at the expense of the more gullible. Yeah, but I think it's fine. Come on. It's just in good fun. So, um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to the show and I will watch it at our appointed time whenever we decide that is. Um, I love also that these images just show a bunch of people in suits and ties wandering around right. in here. Yeah, And I'm like, yeah, okay, let's fast forward a few hundred years and see if they're still that well healed. <laughs> um, cool. Okay, so siloresidences.com, that's out there. You guys could check that out. The other piece of news, H.A., do you want to introduce? Uh, the 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 other piece of news, well, I mean, it's the uh, 
World War Z anniversary, right? 10th anniversary. If you didn't feel old yet, there you go. Congrats. Yeah. I, uh, I always kind of feel a little old, so that's <laughs> just a little, just a little bit. So the 10th anniversary of World War Z means that now you can get a 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray or not now, but in July. Uh, I guess I guess it's this summer is the 10th anniversary, but oh my gosh, yeah, but we were we were talking about this and I know because I know that this is a thing and I know that people collect these and are really into them, but I haven't had any ability to watch like a Blu-ray in at I want to say over maybe over 15 years, maybe even 18 years. That is making me feel even older, but like I know that there must be a market for this because obviously they keep releasing this. Well, it's like vinyl, you know. Yeah, I guess so. But vinyl to me seems a little that makes more sense to me somehow because that's like I don't know, a little I don't know. Vinyl's different in my mind, but maybe I'm wrong. And I know that a lot of these Blu-rays do have extras and things like that. So if you're it's like a three super- discs, so I, this probably has a ton of extras and uh, that that has always been one of the biggest selling points to me of a dvd is to um to be able to watch the, with the audio commentaries you know i've talked about this before yeah but um well, the thing is that sh- this movie streaming. had such a weird and challenging yes. uh path i wonder how much of that they really want to show the fans yeah and i yeah and that was the other thing it's like okay are we really making a big deal out of this specific film i thought that was kind of odd but i guess some people are really into it or maybe they're just trying to spin this into more i mean my thought about it when i when i saw this was that maybe they are actually thinking a sequel even though we saw that that had been kind of tabled um but i don't know well maybe maybe this is sort of a an indication that they might actually be be moving forward with something at some point but i think Mm -hmm. a little too vague to know about that yet so. Well, I think people look at the gross for that film of five hundred and forty million, and think, uh, yeah, you know, know. those are pre-COVID numbers, and they're just like, wow, well, what if we could do that again? You know, mm. I don't know. It seems like movies do not tend to gross quite as much as actually. That's not true. The uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie mm-hmm. has grossed two point six billion. People, that's like the nostalgia factor of Nintendo, I suppose. So anyway, well, World War Z Blu-ray DVD or whatever, you can get it in July. And maybe if they sell enough of them, they'll make a second movie. They'll finally get their act together. Or maybe, maybe they'll say, retcon, screw that movie. Let's make the Max Brooks uh, novel adaptation show run by him. The, the limited edition miniseries that we all deserve. Right. Again, though, I think they're going to have to update and retrofit a few things into that series. But I do think yeah. that there's definite, a, definitely a plausible argument for that as like a limited series. So, yeah. um, but maybe it has missed its sort of time because of all the other content out there. So it maybe has it maybe has. And to Kyle's point, maybe nobody cares anymore. It's not that uh, it was it's not as cool as we all think it was. Yeah, true, true. Um, however, what might be as cool as we think it was, mm. Mayfair Witches, season one, episodes three and four, entitled Second Line, 
and curiouser and curiouser. Oh, I hadn't realized that that was the uh, that was the name of the fourth episode, uh, and I immediately see how that makes sense because that's an Alice in Wonderland reference, right? Mm -hmm. um, okay, so second line. Oy. let me see who it was directed by the first person. So Axel, Axel, Carolyn, and written by Sarah Cornwell. Same director for both episodes, two different writers. Second line begins with another flashback to Scotland, to the uh, the oldie-timey uh, Mayfair witches. I think her name's Suzanne, maybe, mm -hmm. this woman? Yeah, Suzanne is the original witch, at least in in this universe and also in the books. Yeah. She, Although uh, I, think in, I think in the book she was actually um, supposed to have some mental illness or something which oh. i don't think they've gone with there i think they've kind of put that into the other character that she's hanging out with um and i can't remember that character's name well she's not really with that other character anymore like the first time we meet her she's she's got this little girl hanging out with her who i think yeah. was her sister but then i've on the official podcast the host referred to that girl as her daughter i'm like i don't even know what's going on anymore yeah they um, haven't really explained that part very well but that, that person isn't back so i don't know what to do with that like there was another character associated with her these two episodes are mostly about the older woman her her um, mentor yeah eva yes and she's been bored or gored by a boar bored by a gore mm. and she is um she's dying and so there's a little bit of a back and forth about which is heal or sorry, midwife's heal, but they also deal with death. Mm -hmm. And so she, I think she's trying to get a little bit of a uh, easy out rather than dying slowly from gut wound. Yep. Um, um, yeah. And you get the sense that Suzanne was the apprentice here. And so that's the other thing. And, and so this is sort of the, her mentor dying, but she's going to be taking over the reins in terms of the, midwifery and other things and that like the healing and, and all of that. Um, she lives here at the house with her. So that makes sense. So that is, this is her basically coming into her own. Um, and that is, you know, there is a lot of like, like furtive glances, like the, the men who brought her in. And so you're like, okay, this is going to go probably sour with the people in the town. Um, they're already giving those vibes off in this. Oh, you feel those vibes are happening. Oh yeah. Um, in, oh, and then we, we jump, well, speaking of furtive glances, we jump, uh, several hundred years into the future and, uh, <laughs> the elevator opens. Yeah. And, and there's it's kind of what, it's a pretty rough scene for for rowan it's pretty rough for whoever's down in the lobby i mean yes for rowan but also whoever pushed the button was waiting for the elevator you get yeah. onto a lot of elevators i don't tend to uh i live in a uh, low low rise area Can you imagine never happened to me so i'm very happy at that <laughs> you um, never know what's gonna happen when those elevator doors open though and i bet the next time you're standing waiting for an elevator you might just wonder <laughs> oh no it's deirdre and rowan <laughs> Yeah, so Rowan's totally covered in blood. Um, and then yeah. Annabeth the Gish on the podcast talked about this dummy, um, this this puppet or whatever that she I don't forget what she called it, but that's not obviously not her. It's fairly yeah. obvious that it's not her. Yeah, it looks a little weird. Um she said it had bigger boobs than she did. I thought that was quite <laughs> funny. 
Um, um, but yeah, so she, for having a fairly small role on the show, I was glad that she was a guest on the AMC podcast about this episode. Or, or yeah, no, the actually it was the episode before this one um, for episode two. But I, but I like how like the first person or like, you know, she's kind of, you know, they do the sound thing where Rowan can't really hear a lot. Yeah. And uh, but the first person she kind of sees is Carlotta and Carlotta thinks that this is a good opportunity to be like, hey, hey, Rowan. Um, <laughs> what's your, what's the actor's name again? Beth Clark, is that right? Or Grant, yeah. Beth Grant, or something like that. Um, oh, Beth Grant. Yep. She has this way with her hands that they just look like little claws, and she yep. kind of like is literally pawing and clawing at Rowan as soon as she yep. meets her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and luckily, yeah, she sees Cyprian across the street, and she's just like, ah, "I'm I'm gonna go," and then she like walks across the street covered in blood. The cops let her go. Although they, I guess they've already questioned her. Yeah. And I also have to say, like, I feel like Rowan's instincts are correct because Carlotta's being so creepy. If you saw Cyprian as like this beacon of light, which I think he is, <laughs> I'd be running for him too out of this place. Um, she and, you know, doesn't know him, though. I mean, she's never. She doesn't she's, know him, but yeah. I think that at least, you know, look, she, she had obviously like a weird interaction with him and um he was following her and she didn't know what was a, what he was doing and so but in terms of like any kind of sense that she might be able to figure out what's going on he is this i do think he represents some level of um sanity for her um in because remember she also doesn't really understand what her powers are this is all something that she's been dealing with herself in her own head even her own mother has been her adopted her adopted mother has been sort of denying some of the things that have been happening which are clearly like that was not true so i don't like i thought this was like a pretty nice transition to to ally these two together Um, it's a little awkward um it's it's awkward at first of course because He's been spying on her. Her first questions for him yeah. are like, why have you been spying on me? He's like, it was to protect you. I'm like, yeah. eh, you know, I don't know about that. And then he's like, he follows up a little bit of a back and forth with, hey, have you seen Lasher? And she, and she's like, what? He's like, you know, have you seen this this presence? And she's like, what does he look like? I'm, he's like, I don't know. But have you seen him? <laughs> I know. That like, was kind of yeah. like, we, you're giving her like non sequiturs here. Like that was very awkward. And I'm. Um, you know, and I, as we talked about in the last in the last episodes, or like some of the the some of the script, some of the dialogue is a little clunky and weird, and just the storytelling isn't quite. Um, it like if you compare it to Interview with a Vampire, it's just not quite smooth sometimes. Um, and you do get the sense, and maybe this is an editing decision, I don't know, but you do get the sense that sometimes, or at least I feel like sometimes the actors are struggling a little bit with it and doing the best that they can. But I get that from uh, Alexandra Daddario every so often. She feels that she doesn't quite seem comfortable with what she's doing occasionally, but it's it's quite occasional. Mm -hmm. Cyprian, uh, the guy playing Cyprian is fairly straightforward acting stuff but she has to i think react to things that that are more trippy and abstract and maybe she's having a tough time with that yeah and he's basically you know like at least he has another person for the most part to sort of like although he has to go into his head too a lot and then like you know act based on what they're telling him he's seeing And, and we don't often get to see a lot of what he's seeing he kind of explains it 
a lot of the time later, doesn't he? Which is kind of an interesting way to to do his gift. Yeah, but I what I was going to say though, just in terms of like his acting style, he's very good and he does have chemistry like with her, which I think is good. Um, just it helps sell it a lot more and helps smooth over, over a little bit of the awkwardness of some of the dialogue. Um, and you do really, I th- like you truly believe um, that he has these powers and things like that. Like, I think he does a great job at portraying that. Um, and his name is um, uh, Tongue uh, Teresa. And he's really, I think he really sells it as this character. So I am... You know, I was definitely, as as I said, a little skeptical about some of the co- combination of a couple of characters. And, you know, there's one specific character that they cut out, Michael, who is a pretty main part in all of this. And this is obviously going to be this is sort of who he is or who he represents. And, um, you know, I have to say I have no problem with it. Like, I think he does a really excellent job. And I think maybe it maybe it simplifies the storyline enough uh, to have him be like the representative of the Talamasca and also this uh, this sort of lifeline for her. Um, it's probably a good argument to be made also to like eliminate some of the male characters from the story. Right. It's, well, it's and supposed also- to be a story about women by women. Having all these dudes and like potential love interests would kind of, you know, undermine. Well, right. And I and I, I guess that's like I was like, all right, I'm really I'm really getting into this. And I liked him. I did like him a lot in the first two episodes as well. But this was sort of like and, and you know, before I didn't read of some of the sort of the sort of criticism about the combination of characters, though I had my own thoughts about it until a little bit like until I sort of watched them. And then I'm like, you know, but I just think that this makes total sense um, because otherwise you just again, it's it's I think you're right, just cutting down the male characters, but it's also just there's such a vast collection of characters and a lot of them don't have huge roles in the even in the book so it's yeah. like you it doesn't make sense to have this massive cast and and I do think it keeps it a little bit more streamlined so and there is a massive cast we really get to see a lot of that in episode 4 that yeah. we're going to talk about today I mean it's wake. still massive but but yeah, so I it's... feel like they had to make some decisions somewhere or it just becomes un like you're just not going to be able to follow it as much so yeah yeah, and and I, I guess you know if you're going to focus on on a larger proportion, make it of the Mayfair family. That's what we're kind of here to to meet, right. and we get to meet a lot of them in episode four. But yeah, so they they have a little bit of a back and forth. It's quite sympathetic. He's like, "Make yourself at home. I've got to go deal with something." And this is this introduces a concept that I find a little bit of an annoying TV thing, where he's like, "I'm here to protect you. I'm your protector." And then he yeah. constantly is leaving her <laughs> like these two episodes. He is. he is almost never with her. He and- is. And they also had to get over the the sort of hurdle of the fact that like he's got all these photos of her on his phone. Um, you know, she's like, why are you following me? And it's also why have you taken like this basically creepy stalkery whole you have this whole thing of me on your phone and it's a little it's a little weird and um, not just of her, but like of her mom and. Mm-hmm. all this other stuff and so i like it, it's all that and then you know he kind of leaves her alone in his apartment <laughs> and then you know hilarity ensues no this first one he leaves her alone to go to go literally downstairs because his boss is there and at first you're like well his boss is the one who told him like don't you know just right. observe don't get involved and now he's super involved 
but yeah. his uh, his first words to him are like, "Don't worry about it. I'm here to help. I brought the crew. We're gonna protect the house." And I I did laugh out loud during this scene. It was just like, yeah, these five people get out of a car and like I don't know what they're doing. They're spritzing. They hug the wall. They're like they're hugging sp- the brick wall. <laughs> they're like- spritzing this building. It they looks don't. Like sh- they're- it looks they like they're sh- like pretending it with olive oil or something. It's they pretty- don't have like a, a passerby shot, which I would have liked to have seen. Just like a, what the hell are those people doing? To, why are they spritzing? And then you know another what, guy gets out of a car and does some like you know, weird magic stuff. But it's New Orleans. I feel I like there's so. some acceptance to people doing weird things to houses down there. So, so I assume the scene is to show us that the Talamasca has these tricks and uh, lots of fair amount of people. Um, but honestly, like it's very clear in this episode, even that this doesn't even do anything. So it's really just a scene to show us that the Talamasca has, has some reach in New Orleans, I think. And I think it's to show that, to show some of their mystical powers. I think it's also to show that the limitations are, you know, let Lasher knows what their limitations are. He knows that it was like he had to get her out of there. So just basically did a very easy thing, which was to set a fire. Um, I like, and that's, I mean, I guess I, again, it's been a while since I've, I've read these books, but I feel like um, the Lasher sort of character has limited power. And I thought that that was kind of interesting, like, sort of like he can influence certain people, but it's usually Mayfair people because they have some sort of like open gate to his, to, to communicating with him or whatever. And so uh, the whole starting of the fire doing that stuff felt a little weird to me, but you know, I think they've taken a different tack here with him. So he has a little bit more of an omnipotent sort of, or at least he would, or at least they're kind of making that out to be that he's got a much bigger array of powers than I think he even did in the in the books. Yeah, um, the, in this episode alone, he does a couple of things yeah. to influence objects in the real world, and I guess he was—I don't know if he was able to do that in the books, but um, in a scene shortly after the uh, dousing of the house in in magic oils. <laughs> he um olive oil and some bread he, and focaccia oh that sounds delicious now i'm hungry yeah. um he he kind of attacks uh uncle Cortland. Mm-hmm. when uncle Cortland's at the hotel um going through rowan's stuff i think that's in this episode but yeah, he goes yeah, he goes know. to the hotel and um lasher appears to him he like first he breaks through the window as a rock i don't know how he, he like does something and hits uncle Cortland in the face and then he's and then Cortland is like nervous and you, I, you know, like he has talked about Lasher before he talked about him to, uh, to Deirdre. He's mm-hmm. like, is he here? Is he nearby? And she's like, I don't know where he is. So he clearly has had a relationship with this guy too, or has seen him before. Mm-hmm. And he, by appearing to him and then they have a short conversation and he's expresses that he doesn't, he's not, he's like closed off from Rowan and Cortland's mm-hmm. kind of, I don't know if he's showing his hand as the guy who maybe killed Deirdre, but I still think he might have is like, Hey, now you're, you know, it's the 13 witch, right? You're, you're going to, everything's going to be fine. So there you kind oh, of like, I think he definitely was the, yeah. I mean, I don't remember the plot from the book, whether I mean, he did or not, but uh, I don't remember that either, but like, um, and I don't know. It feels like that. it though. Doesn't it? It does. Um, but in the, I think actually in the, 
I think in the books, Lasher is the one that actually, you know, he want he's the one who like encourages Deirdre to die. Um, uh, because she kills herself like yeah, her mother did. Because he wants to have because he doesn't have access to the next one until the the last one dies or something. So I think they kind of do they tweak that a little bit here. But I think Cortland is acting incredibly sketchy, regardless. So. Yeah, I mean, the the show certainly keeps you guessing even into the fourth episode when they find the hired killer. Um, but at this point, Cortland seems to know a little too much about what Lasher wants as his ultimate endgame. Um, and even though he is like his hands are shaking and he seems unhappy, something's off about the way he's reacting to this. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so Lasher has like broken through a window, which I guess... He can do that. He can tap glass with a tree. He does that to the to the aunties later. Um, Cyprian's sister shows up for a scene just to introduce her character and reveal that she's pregnant. Uh, and then she, yeah, then she like pieces out after the fire alarm goes off. What, what do you suppose um, they're going to do with her character? I mean, I think that it again. This is a little different because, like, Talamasca is supposed to be pretty much cut off from everybody, and like Jedi, kind of, and like in in part because they're dealing with these incredibly powerful mystical things, and any kind of contact or or sort of you know familial ties puts your family at risk. Um, so a lot of them tend to not do that or have new identities or pretend to be dead or whatever it is. And so, I mean, and then we kind of, you know, like, like even in how she's talking to, to Rowan, it's, it's a little odd. She, she thinks he's like in the CIA or <laughs> makes some reference to the fact that he has like secret spy stuff going on. Like, I don't think she actually knows what he does, but I, I assume that this tension is going to be broken later on when she finds out what he really is involved in. Yeah, um, something's going to happen to the poor lady's baby. I mean, almost guaranteed. I, hope, uh, I know it's not going to be good. Um, so stay, stay away, Odette. I'm glad we met you, but stay away from Cyprian and Rowan. Um, so the fire alarm goes off and they leave the protected house. And, and um, Rowan's like, well, uh, you know, my aunt lives nearby a 10 minute walk. I'm going to go to the house. But the first scene we see is at the house Meanwhile, at the house, the most messed up part of this episode is happening. Um, yeah, like a lot of things are wrong with what's going on in this scene between Carlotta and Delphine. And what yeah. did you think of this scene? So Delphine uh, is was the nurse slash the nurse that was taking care of uh, Deirdre basically her whole life. And, um. You know, in the books, they have the emerald, the Mayfair emerald. And so this is definitely very, very different. Um, and, you know, we talked about how they changed what the look of this thing is. And the whole thing was, is that nobody but the person that this was designated for could touch it or Lasher would like kill them. Um, and so they kind of do that here, except Carlotta has been handling this. So that's sort of not quite the same thing. Yeah. Um, but she sort of makes this comment to her sister that if we... Um, if we bond, if we bind this thing to somebody else, um, he can't get at Rowan. He'll be he'll be limited to the house. And, you know, in some ways, that's that's why Deirdre had to die, which was because 
you know, we somebody probably Cortland or even Carlotta, but I think Cortland um, wanted to make sure that that door was open so that he could be released and go after Rowan or be bonded with Rowan. Um, and so this is really, really messed up. I mean, um, this is definitely not part of the <laughs> part of the storyline, but I think it is deliberate to show you. And then it's probably um, like a, a surrogate storyline so that you can see how cold and calculating and and ho- honestly how horrible Carlotta is. Well, she um, only gets worse as <laughs> she does, but like I think that they have to show that. Like you can kind of, you know, it's not enough that she kept this uh her niece um all locked up and 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 on Thorazine and all these other things in the name of like protecting her and caring for her. Um, it's also really interesting that she talks a lot about God and keeping the devil out and things like that. And yet she like basically condemns this and knows she's doing it, but condemns this woman to a really horrible death um, via possession by Lasher. I mean, um, she she puts the she for, forces mm-hmm. through like uh, ingratiating her. She's like, you know, no, she left it for you. Put it on. Put it on. And so finally, Delphine begrudgingly puts it on then she realizes oh you know go get me some curtains out of the basement she realizes she's been poisoned by carlotta mm-hmm. and the last thing carlotta says to her is may god forgive you you were supposed to watch deirdre may god forgive you and then like locks her in the basement with the lights off she I is know. terrible but you know another uh tour de force by uh beth grant Mm-hmm. I'm say. she's pretty easy she's a pretty like it's easy to dislike her in this like she's yeah. she does a really good job at playing a good villain yeah um and then we flash back well we go back to rowan walking down the street in this like flowy um brown i don't know pajama outfit it is yeah, pajamas because she, she wakes she's some, wearing them the next morning when she wakes up but some um, silk brown pajamas just, I, also to, I also have to say like okay so fire happens in your building weird things are going on maybe she wants answers but i don't know that i'm gonna go hang out with carlotta in the middle of the night she was pretty creepy even in the small interaction she had with her but she's just gonna go traipsing around new orleans in her silk brown pajamas i don't know this felt a little odd, and so part of me almost felt like she is already. I felt like something was going on with her where she was a little bit hypnotized or being influenced, and maybe that like she she gave that vibe even before she gets to the sort of street where she's seeing all the um, the second line the, starts going yeah, by all the second line stuff. Yeah, see, um, she. So she has she has a nod with Josephine, who just happens to be there, mm-hmm. um, who is Cortland's daughter. And that's maybe suspect, maybe not. But they like share a glance mm-hmm. uh, and we don't meet her again until the next episode. And then she starts talking to this woman who is a recognizable actor. Did you recognize her? The actor? Forget what, yeah, her, she's just credited as like woman, woman at the second line or something like that. Um, I did recognize her. I think she's in quite a few things, um, but I don't know off the top of my head. No, I don't remember. In, but she had, but like, she's got a really good face, and mm-hmm. she, um, um, definitely like you. You buy this interaction with them, and like, and that's also why I was saying that I, I thought that maybe Rowan was influenced outside of whatever else is going on. 
Um, maybe it's Lasher. Maybe it's, I don't know. Maybe it's just the magic of New Orleans. Um, but she, you know, this woman's like, oh, yeah, I'm mourning somebody too. And yeah. like, hey, how about you? How about you? Um, Take this random drink, this weird drink, a shot. What was it? It was strange something or other, I guess, some hallucinogenic drugs or something to loosen her up a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So the woman's name is Dana Bylance and old woman second line is her credit. But yeah, I don't know what else what else I've seen her in. But um she is very recognizable. I guess uh she was in Loki, House of Cards, and things like that. Um, yeah, but so she takes the magic potion, and that's it for her. Uh, the woman kind of like, you know, forces her to drink the thing. What if she was sober? You know, like <laughs> super uncool. Forces yeah. her to drink the thing, forces her to dance with her. Also, when we clearly know that it's Lasher because there was like one interstitial cut where he was there instead of her. Yep. Um, and then Lasher, and then she's just like drunk and dancing in the second line, which honestly sounds like so much fun. I would totally love to do it. Not necessarily while I'm being um, hunted by a sexual predator slash spirit ghost. Correct. Um, and also there's like, you know, the people are dancing around. She's seen the, the man that's being sort of celebrated in the second line. Um, like he's sitting on top of his own little. Uh, yeah. A lot of zombies. Well, dead people in this uh, scene. Yeah. And she sort of things are going in and out. Um, and then. You know, Lasher's kind of toying with her and and being very seductive. Um, and so that is an interesting thing to see just how he's toying with her, basically. And um, I think from her point of view as a doctor, as somebody that's going through all this kind of like very unsettling and terrifying stuff, it's and she's definitely being influenced by whatever she took. Uh, it, she she is very much um, intrigued by him. And he, he really does a thing where it's like he's he's masked. It's very Phantom of the Opera. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, no, please don't bust out into an Andrew Lloyd Webber song. <laughs> um, They're and, right away very touchy. She's she's yeah. very touchy with him. And like they get very close together. She, she's clearly like not well. I don't know what she was. She was pretty forward in the bar in San Francisco, too. So maybe this is just her style. But it seems like they, she's accelerating. And then he just kind of melts away to to I think, again, he's toying with her and yeah. she she wakes up and she wakes up in this like weird way, um, which well, she goes be, to the house, too. Yeah, she goes to the house and she sees um, it, it's not. It, it, this would be just a very disconcerting thing, I think. Um, Super disconcerting. I mean, the fact that she has that conversation with her mother, and her mother right. is telling her, "You're well, line, you're from a line of witches. We're you know mother to mother to mother to daughter to daughter to daughter, and we're all connected by this dude." And uh, right there, and she, I think it, it's it's good writing for me anyway because she's like, "Nope, that's not it," uh, and yep. she she leaves um, because the ghost, the dude ghost, uh, like crossed the line. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so he, that was cool. he overplayed his hand. A yeah. bit there. Uh, but then uh, she does wake up like on the street corner in her PJs and there's like a nice guy trying to be like, hey, are you OK? Um, which not how anybody ever wants to wake up, frankly. But no, also. It, but ahead. then again, it's also like she's had this whole thing. Is it real? Is it not? 
Um, but I did, yeah. I did like how she questioned it. Like she's definitely Lasher is absolutely trying to manipulate and use her, and she questions it, and so that's why she sort of like wakes up here. And, you know, but I, I would imagine that that's going to cause even more questions. I liked uh, how in the scene later when she's talking to Cyprian about it, she's like, I didn't even know it was happening. And then I was in it. And I don't mm -hmm. know how I'm going to be able to stop that. I thought that was that was also good. Right. Like she's questioning what even power she might have to to resist if he can just kind of alter her reality mm -hmm. that quickly. In the meantime, um, Cyprian has gone back like he left her. Uh, right. He, he goes to the hotel to read the elevator, which he is blocked to his vision. Um, he shows that he can speak Creole um, Patois to the guy who's working in the hotel, which is nice. Um, love, love me some multilingual stuff. And then he goes to the morgue, somehow convincing the um, I don't know what this guy's job is, morgue guy. I don't know, but he's definitely a an anti witch guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little funny that he's in this up. and the next episode. Uh, yeah, but um, and he's like putting his hands on on Deirdre's body to try and figure out how she was killed. But he's just left. He's just left uh, Rowan alone in his apartment. He thinks until who knows when. Uh, it's just dark out. I guess we don't know. I don't know what time second lines take place, but um, it feels like it's the middle of the night, but it might not be that late. Yeah, it does feel like the middle of the night. So I don't know. He's out. Uh, I don't know. The timelines of this are a little weird. Um, yeah. So in this episode, uh, it, like they, they, they reunite back at the house and um, back at his place. Once he realizes uh, what's been going on, he gets her back inside. They have that conversation about like how that was probably Lasher. Like every person you met or talked to tonight was probably Lasher. And I can teach you to control your powers and to use them to to defend yourself. And I think uh, it's a really nice sort of resolution. I just wish he'd been there more for her. Mm -hmm. uh, and they kind of the end the end of the episode uh, clasping hands. And it feels like, um, I don't know, positive somehow, but also a little weird. Uh, it, also, it's quite ahead. intimate and it's yeah. very much a, I think, you know, it's, it's very much like a, they're, they're shipping these two. That's very clear. So let's, let's, uh, but, but it is a very strange interaction. So more yes. to come on that. More to come on that. And also back at the first street house, Carlotta and the other auntie whose name I don't even know are um, listening to Delphine bashing her brains out against the wall. And they're like, he doesn't like her. It's it's a real messed up scene. It's messed up. But it's also that he wants to have access to Rowan and this has trapped him. And so it's a little unclear to me whether by them doing this, um, was it that Rowan realized that it wasn't her mother and that it was him playing with her? Or was it because he then got trapped back in Delphine? Um and again, a little confusing because he seems to have, regardless of whoever he's kind of tied to, he still seems to have some leeway of power. So that isn't that sort of storyline isn't consistent, I think. Yeah, That's because the Delphine gap. thing happened earlier in the episode and he was still able to wander around the second right. line. Right. So I don't know. Anyway, that's a confusing part for me. That That is interesting. Um I mean, Delphine is effectively dead by the end of this episode. Like, it, he doesn't take him long to deal with that no. situation. 
And and in fact, it's sort of like, well, what, what use was this anyway? Yeah, right? maybe Carlotta hasn't tried putting it on a rando before. Yeah. Um, but I find that almost hard. I mean, because she had Deirdre for 30 years to, to do it to. Um, episode four. Is there anything else on, on second line that you want to talk about? No, I think that's it. That's it. It's it's kind of weirdly not a whole bunch of things happen, but there are a lot of characters coming in and out. Same one, same for this fourth episode. A lot of new characters get introduced. Um, there's a couple of major set pieces. There's the funeral and there's the wake. Mm-hmm. And um and the wake is really where a lot a lot of stuff is happening. And Cyprian uh <laughs> they start the day, they start the day with oh sorry, the episode begins with another um Scotland cold mm-hmm. open where Suzanne is invited like they're having the Christian funeral for Aoife um, and he like they get chastised by the priest for crying because he's like no she's going to heaven can't be sad mm-hmm. you know religion I love it um, yeah. and then she gets approached by somebody about like let's go to the woods and mourn her for real which is like Mm, I don't know. This is like a very like for Suzanne, who clearly didn't know that this little cabal of witches existed or or that whatever they are, uh, pagans, whatever you want to call them. This was just a very interesting and immediate acceptance of people kind of running around, tearing their hair out in the woods. Right. They're just a bunch of ladies crying in the woods and dancing, mm-hmm. um, cry dancing, perhaps uh, yes. around an effigy, which is like. Uh, most it's just sticks with women's clothes on it. So I don't, it doesn't seem threatening or, or uh, overtly a bad thing to me when I'm watching. I'm not this. saying that it's bad. I'm just saying that her immediate acceptance of this very strange little um, situation just seemed a little yeah. too automatic, but that's okay. I, I felt like, like they were making an awful lot of noise and I don't know how far away that, from other, that could attract other people. So that was yeah. for people that were trying to be secretive. I don't know. A little confusing. Well, um, maybe it's really late and they're really far away because I don't know. We didn't watch them walk the whole. Yeah. Suzanne was a little trepidatious going out, but then she sees what they're up to and immediately joins in and starts to, um, I don't know, really forcefully cry. Uh, it, it looked really cathartic. So I'm, I'm happy for them, but I feel like it's not going to end well. Oh yeah, it's definitely gonna end in a <laughs> in a blaze of fire. Um, they're witches after all, um, or so so called witches. Um, and we segue from this into like a very confusing little <laughs> dream sequence, and you know, kind of leads you to believe that Cyprian and Rowan have hooked up, but that's not the case. Um, and I think probably why this is called curiouser and curiouser because there's a lot of bending of reality, and there always is with Lasher. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, in fact, she wakes up and no, he's just making her breakfast, which, you know, is pretty much all they did was hold hands. Um, <laughs> so, um, or as far as we know, anyway, and, you know, they talk a little bit more about his powers. Um, and then they're also talking about uh, Deirdre's funeral. Yes, I think she would go to the funeral, but it like this was an interesting decision once they get there. Um, so yeah, there's a couple of interesting things happening, not just in this scene, but yeah, as we get to the funeral for sure. But she is still wearing the brown silk pajamas mm-hmm. that she woke up on a street corner in last yeah, night. You change out of those. I would those have been like, I need a shower, and I will sleep in literally anything other than these disgusting 
They're close. street pajamas. I mean, you've been on the ground in them. <laughs> that's probably not. And in New Orleans, that's not good. Yeah, I don't know why their their uh, wardrobe or costume department was like, no, for continuity, we have to keep the pajamas. I mean, she doesn't have any of her stuff, and her she, other clothes were soaked in blood. So mm-hmm. maybe these are actually Cyprian's brown pajamas. I don't know, but they're pristine considering she's been, you know, yeah, the streets in them. But you, you know that they would actually just have stains all oh, yeah. <laughs> over them. Uh, either way, pajamas aside, she they talk a little bit about the funeral. And she's like, you're coming with me, right? And he's like, I will not leave your side. And then he leaves her side. And of course he does. Of course he leaves her side because he gets a phone call as they're walking into the funeral. Like not even, he's not even there for very long. I feel like actually, no, they were, they did the whole service together. Um, although she says like, I have, I should go pay my respects. And he's like, okay, bye. I'll see you later. I'm in the, I'll be at the back of the church. Yeah, he doesn't and, stay with and, her. And again, this is this one, this is a plot. This is a problem in the plot because he knows how dangerous Lasher is. He knows the history of this whole family. He also knows, or it seems like he's aware of how dangerous other people in the family are in addition to Lasher. So mm-hmm. why would you be just leaving her on her own in this particular situation? It's and just as, a very... As, as soon as he leaves, Carlotta's like there with her claws again, grasping onto her. Mm-hmm. Um, so he must be watching this and going like, oh yeah, I probably should have. I mean, you know, Car- that, his presence probably wouldn't have deterred Carlotta from coming up. And then he would have been wrapped in their stuff, too. Right. And, well, we can talk about where he's going and what he's doing later. But or maybe we can talk about it now. But um, it seems like he would be a little bit smarter about what he's dealing with. I mean, he's in the Talamasca. He's been observing this family for years. Um, he is fully aware of all the tricks and all the sort of maybe not all of them but a lot of the dynamics of this whole family and again i just don't buy it's it's hard to believe that he would do what he's doing although um you know it's an interesting thing to kind of find out another part about the story with with uh, deirdre's death and um and lasher's influence on certain things so um you know um and and you know as far as rowan is concerned she's kind of been thrown into the wolves den there's lots of family dynamics going on he starts uh, to sort of describe some of those he's like that mayfair married a kennedy that mayfair has been alive since the civil war um which is a joke but you're not sure you know maybe it's actually true um yeah there's there's a lot like this is where they start to Pull at the thread that is the Mayfairs, which is kind of like a cool thing, and we get to do a little more of it later. And I've forgotten we also had a scene of the aunties going into the basement to Delphine's corpse and realizing the necklace was gone, which was the other thing, like physical world thing that Lasher did. I kind mm-hmm. of attributed to the last episode. I guess it could have happened in between. He has taken the necklace, which yep. seems like a big deal. If he can move the his phylactery or whatever we're calling that thing, that seems like a big deal. It does. Um, and so that's kind of interesting. I'm assuming it was him. There was nobody else in the house. Yeah, there's nobody else who would have been able to get it. Um, but and then also at the funeral, lots of stuff is going on. Cortland's like cutting Deirdre's hair to do something with it. Um, you know, she's she's kind of uh, Rowan is sort of remember, these are all people that she's just getting to know, like she did not know they existed. Mm-hmm. Um and so she's got this cousin and and Cortland and Carlotta and then 
Carlotta and Cortland definitely have a lot of animosity happening. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, this is, and, and I have to say, like, like, Rowan's trying to negotiate a lot of stuff. Um, and she's even going with this group of people to the, um, to the cemetery like, cemetery and sees her own name on the on the whole mausoleum thing and so that's and the fact that everybody seems to know who she is like they know her by sight it seems like when she right. walks they, into the church they know her but they also know that basically carlotta told everybody she was dead yeah that's weird but um, in this family they're probably like yep old carlotta and there she goes again doing crazy things being terrible and evil um yeah. But yeah, this the the cemetery. Oh, well, also at the end of the funeral scene, um, Lasher blows open the church doors and you know showers everybody in rose petals, and like people are smiling at this. And I have to think, you know, there would be some people who would be horrified. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's and isn't that the dynamic? Because Carlotta's yeah. the one that keeps saying like we need to protect ourselves from this devil, from this evil thing um and you know hides behind god or whatever that philosophy that she might have is again questionable given some of her actions um especially you know pretty horrific actions towards deirdre towards delphine and everybody else honestly towards rowan like she basically stole rowan from her mother and sort of uh Told, and told her not even sort of told her adoptive mother well if you want her you can't be in contact and she can't know about this by the way all those fail safes all those sort of things about it seems like everybody knew a lot about Rowan and it, yeah. I don't know again this is kind of weird that it's in the modern day because I think that there's just a lot more at your disposal if you really wanted to find somebody um, so it feels a little implausible but I don't know it, that this is another kind of weird thing, but then Carlotta says that there's other people in the family that view Lasher as like benevolent, that he's there to help the family. And you can definitely tell that Cortland thinks that, although again, when we saw Kurt Cortland being sort of harmed by Lasher, he's clearly like on the line of like fear and oh, he's definitely scared. I mean, maybe that's just Harry Hamlin's performance, but like anytime he talked to Deirdre about Lasher, it seemed like with an edge of fear. Yeah. When he was not face to face with him, but looking in the mirror and he's behind Lasher's behind him, he was wincing. He was like ready to, to get his ass kicked mm. um, or worse. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but so he, he I think, you know, the idea is that he's he thinks Lasher's a gift that comes up later with Rowan. Carlotta is, is warning her that some people will tell her that he is a gift, whereas she thinks he's a curse. Um, so, yeah, that's a cool dynamic that you have between these two. The, the patriarch and this like you know pseudo matriarch and um carlotta well the, and the, also so you have you also i mean if you look at it from rowan's point of view you also have these like like carlotta is pretty terrifying she's doing the claw creepy thing <laughs> um you know Cortland seems more affable and he seemed like that to deirdre too where he was the sort of port in the storm he's the one that has like this he has parties. Uh, the house is filled with light. The 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 contrast between his house and the Mayfair house are like absolutely the both ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, 
go to the the Mayfair house and it's ab- it's dark, it's dank, it's it has a lot of secret corners. His house is full of secrets, but they're kind of out there in the open or people are masked and things like that. Um, so the two of them have a very different quality. And, you know, you could even see how Deirdre reacted to Cortland and to, in some ways how Rowan is reacting to him. I don't think she necessarily trusts him, but I think he seems a lot more accessible than Carlotta does and a lot less like, I guess, more he seems a little bit more palatable, I guess, in terms of like, if these are new family members, who would you gravitate towards? Oh, Even sure. Sneaky. Well, um, Tess, I would go to cousin Tessa, frankly. Well, but. right. But she's still, <laughs> but she's still very much associated with Cortland. So I don't is... even know who's she is. Um, oh, is she Cortland. one of his daughters? The other, she's You're the thinking other. of Josephine. Yeah. Josephine it. seems okay too, but we, she we, does, we, but she's also got her own motives, I'd say. And, I, and Tessa is, Tessa is, I don't, yeah, Tessa's not, Cortland's daughter but you know she seems a little bit more um approachable and, and a little bit more on on Rowan's level so so at the at the cemetery yes Rowan sees her name on a on the mausoleum which is messed up we also see the the guy from the morgue taking pictures because uh although he described his meeting that he was inviting Cyprian to as the brotherhood he's there by himself which makes me think mm-hmm. I don't know maybe it's a brotherhood of one maybe yeah, he's a wolf Maybe he's a wolf pack of one. He'll, he'll show up with some other anti-witch people later. So then to the wake, she, uh, like, because Cyprian walking into the cemetery gets a phone call that this crazy guy who we had a scene of trying to jump off of a parking lot roof is tackled by two Talamascans, I guess. And now they want, they like, Talamasca is calling him to go and help somehow probably by laying on hands to find out if, if you know, that's their interrogator, I guess, is Cyprian. It seems like he has a really important job for the Talamasca to also be a protector of Rowan, because mm-hmm. clearly he's not going to be able to protect her when he's constantly getting called away. Right. Um, Like, so why not put another Talamasca guy on her? Also, by the end of this episode, Talamasca to me is a big question mark. They might be bad guys. Like, yeah. And more there's... on that later. Yeah, and this is sort of Rowan adjacent, so maybe there's a reason why he was called. But he was basically called to read the guy that they they have in this parking garage, and he's in a lot of pain. He's being tormented, uh, and it turns out, and he basically confesses that he killed Deirdre. And you know, this is the big reveal here is that it's Lasher torturing him from the inside, and. It's. I think he kind of he does reveal himself to Cyprian. Cyprian sees him, right? Like we we see him. I don't think we see Cyprian react to seeing Lasher emerge okay, from so the that guy. That was the part. That was the part. I was like, did he reveal himself to Cyprian? Was that for our our benefit? Um, but basically, the minute that the guy kind of confesses to what he did, uh, Lasher basically makes him kill himself, which is pretty awful. Um, breaks his own neck. Um, yeah, with no hands. Right. And then Cyprian, you know, again, Cyprian's conversations with other people in this organization, things seem incredibly sketchy. And there feels like there's ulterior motives with the Talamasca. Uh, He very much wants to get back to Rowan. And there's like, I don't know, there's a little bit of a, oh, case closed. This was just this guy that killed Deirdre. Um, And so and he's skeptical about it, too. But there's nothing much that he can do. and so he starts to go back to wherever Rowan is, but he no, has no... he doesn't. <laughs> he goes no, to the I archives. Mean, he goes to the archives, but like 
He doesn't go back to he doesn't right. go find Rowan until so much later. Yeah, like he does text right. her at one point when she's at the wake. He's like, hey, you're at my place, right? And she doesn't respond because she's like, that's, I am. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was that he texts her, but then it doesn't, you know, and she's I mean, she's in the midst of the Mayfair thing and she yeah. goes back to the house and, you know, she's in the thick of it. And I guess the things that here she's again, it's sort of like a complete uh, sensory overload for her because it's all these people. She doesn't know who to trust. People are trying to share information with her and a lot of information like, you know, I think that she her instinct is correct about Carlotta that Scar- Carlotta is incredibly sketchy and, and admits that she's the one who who told everybody she died. Um and but then in another moment gives her photos of her adoptive mother and there's just it's and it's interesting because Carlotta tries to be completely reasonable about why she did all this, but if you're Rowan who had never heard any of this before, I think you know, your instinct is to be skeptical and maybe leave that house immediately. The fact that she stays, well, maybe she wants to find out more, but it's a little, it's a little, I don't know that I would ever stay in that house alone with Carlotta, I, I guess. Th- I thought Carlo- they were writing Carlotta to seem quite reasonable in this scene, even though we know she's they not. Were, and, and she seems like- It, it kind of works. And I have to say, Beth Grant, does, as as I've said, she's a great villain. She walks this line yeah. of like self-righteousness and, and you know, justifying- her very questionable actions to hide behind the shield of righteousness. But uh, you can totally see on Rowan's face from her perspective, she's like, oh, this is not <laughs> kosher. And just um, the the difference in Beth Grant's performance in scenes like this one and later when she's outside to at the dinner is yeah. so night and day that um, I just thought that was a really good performance. Uh, maybe it's too obvious, but like just she's she goes from like pleading and placating to this other thing. We'll get to that scene, but um, I, I thought that was that was super cool. Uh, Cortland shows up at the wake and and proclaims parties. You know, let's start the party and brings all the other family, a lot of the other family members with him, including uh, a, well, I only know her name because it was on the. Uh, x-ray like the addition like the additional information on amazon prime uh so alicia mayfair is the woman who calls her daughter a social justice warrior who is oh. tessa and apparently what qualifies her to be a social justice warrior is the fact that she says um nobody in our family is a surgeon who went to stanford and yada yada mm. and and uh talks about burned women um anyway so like it, there's she seems like a nice kid. Uh, and there's also a woman named Dolly Jean Mayfair, who uh, is black. And so we have uh, some interesting sort of dynamics going on in this family, obviously, where they are, uh, I don't know, blended or whatever. Uh, but, you know, you know, you know, some of the history of this from the books. Uh, it's interesting to see it in the modern day. Yeah, because there's all these family lines. They all stay together. And a large part of this is the genetic component. Um, and it turns out that Lasher is a huge proponent of all of this because, uh, like, there's a reason why he wants to keep everybody kind of, like, close at hand, um, depending on how the gifts, quote unquote, sort of manifest themselves uh, to have a bigger sort of gene pool to do that is important. Um, so uh, so there's that. Um, I also I, I forgot that one of the things with Carlotta in terms of like, again, the, the huge contrast between her and Cortland and exactly how she's justifying what's happening. 
um she gives like in addition to the photos of um of ellie that she gives rowan she also gives her deirdre's rosary and yeah, she, again you know, she forces it over her neck like yeah, she doesn't like she's give her really, a chance really not even you know she's not messing around and she's like all right just put that on here uh and there's just like this ickiness to all of it um that is disturbing i again i don't if i were rowan i don't think i would stay in that house but she's got this curious uh this curiosity of yeah. you know to try to find out what's happened what's happened to her mother um so there is then there's, there's other people trying to figure stuff out of this wake too because Cortland has basically shown up to go through carlotta's drawers which i was oh, yeah. happy to see were just as messy as mine mm -hmm. like her uh like envelopes and you know paper clips well, he's uh, looking, clearly looking for the necklace, right? He's looking for the necklace, but instead he finds a pipe, um, which he then later just, um, explains to Rowan belonged to Julian, who you brought up last time we talked, who mm -hmm. was a, um, I guess is his dad and was a male, was he a, like a designee? No, he was, but he was a powerful witch in the family. Um, he wasn't officially a designee or maybe he was, but he's the only, at least in the books, he's only the only male witch. Um, that they know of or that and again this is all in the books this is all sort of the assessment of the talamasca and this is in their records um but he is sort of the he was one of the like um puppet masters of the whole family and definitely was messing around with the different like like genealogy and things like that and did a lot of creepy disturbing things so um, so Cortland is is talks about him and uh, that that is I, I wonder if we'll see Julian later on in a flashback or something. Well, that could be interesting. Yeah. Um, so he doesn't find the necklace. Uh, the party goes on and then it ends after the uh, conversation outside. Between Cortland and Carlotta, where they kind of get after each other a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Carlotta's like, stay for dinner. You can look around the house. And Rowan's like, that sounds like a great idea. Um, meanwhile, yeah. Cyprian is at the archives looking up the Dutch letters of the Mayfair family. I feel like this doesn't have to happen right now. Yeah. You don't know where your protection is, where your person is. Mm -hmm. It's just a little bit laughable. Um, and in these scenes where Rowan is staying for dinner, the like the walls start to move uh, lights are flickering, and this is where I feel like she's really Alice in Wonderlanding a uh, lot. Hardcore. Yeah. Uh, eventually, she just goes up to, she finds Deirdre's room. There's the key necklace right there. And it's kind of interesting how this scene goes. She just like takes off the rosary, drops it on the floor, puts on the key necklace, and goes into a ecstasy, ecstasy moment mm -hmm. almost right away. And and, you know, almost immediately Carlotta like comes up to the room and sees what's happened. And, you know, her face is amazing. Like the, she does. Beth Grant just does an incredible job. Yeah. You can see everything on her face. And she oh, it's a switch. Yeah. I tried to protect her from this and she's putting on the necklace. But this um, basically she's like, uh, all she has to see is this. And then she's like, well, I guess I have to kill her. Uh, like yep, pretty much. <laughs> but why would she think that she could? I don't know. Um, I think that at some point she was able to at least exert some amount of power over Lasher or she thought she could. 
And I think she figured, well, this is the best way to do it if I can't. She now has the necklace, which means that she's now the designee. Um, I think that some of that, again, a little bit clunky in terms of how they revealed it. They have Josephine basically tell um, Rowan about the designee thing that Carlotta doesn't actually own the house Mm -hmm. and that there's a reason why Carlotta is trying to exert her influence over Rowan, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Rowan was unaware of any of this. and, And basically Josephine's like, go and talk to the lawyer. And I mean, I think that it makes sense. And Josephine is definitely acting as sort of like a, um, you know, she's her father's, uh, um, she's under her father's influence or she's part of that part of the family. So um, I, I like Josephine and I think she's she's good. But like, I also think she's got her own motivations, which are pro- probably aligned with Cortland's. And so, yeah, she feels well, she feels more. Um, what's the word? She feels like a little lighter than Cortland, a little less agendized. Yeah, but, but I think that's deliberate because yeah, exactly she'll be received in a different way. And and you know you see them together and kind of checking in how everything went when they're outside the house. So mm-hmm. I definitely think they're acting in tandem. Um, and so in any case, Rowan is aware of all this when she finally finds the the necklace. And, and so I think Carlotta has won. She won against Cortland's influence, even when. Deirdre managed to escape her clutches for a brief little moment, um, even though the result was not something that she wanted. And that's kind of what Carlotta, I think, was trying to avoid with, with Deirdre was having like another another witch. Um, so I, like, I think that this is sort of like, well, this is the last straw. This, you know, I, I tried to trap him. I couldn't do that. And now I'm going to take care of business because I'm running out of time. So... Uh, I, think she, she, I think she was more impressed with her own powers or thought she had more powers than she actually had. I mean, she's not dead yet. We we have her story hasn't ended, uh, but this uh, the end of this episode certainly leaves a lot of things up in the air. Cyprian um, has he, he got a text from Rowan who's like sending him a picture of the necklace uh, in her hand or the pendant. And he's like, where are you? And she doesn't respond. And then she's left her phone upstairs as she goes to dinner. Uh, but he's like, well, I guess I need to go to First Street House. And so he goes there. Carlotta, meanwhile, is giving a long and unkind prayer about all of her four, four mothers, um, including Rowan in it, saying, you know, forgive her, God, because she's a huge sinner, huge sinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lights everything on fire. Yeah, it's pretty dramatic. I mean, her oh. sister's upstairs asleep too. Like, yeah, Carlotta has gone all around the bend. I think that's what we can just assume is that maybe you know, whether or not she felt feels like she can pull this thing off, um, she's gone. Yeah, she's nuts. She's lost it. Yeah, too and much, again, too, yeah, she's putting off such creepy vibes. I have to say, like, it, like maybe Rowan wants to find out how far she'll take it. Maybe Rowan's seeing if she'll reveal. Uh, the the whole thing about the house or whatever else maybe she'll reveal more about her mother and or mothers um so i think maybe that's what's keeping her there but it's just one of those dinner invitations you really wish you had not uh accepted right and also i think that you know with other people in the house there was some level of safety or security where there were other people there and i think I would have been out of there in a heartbeat, <laughs> but, but again, that's not how this, they have to keep the storyline going. Um, and I do think that one of the great things about the scene with them is just how 
normal Carlotta is about the dinner. And then it's like when when Beth Grant turns, like when this character turns, she turns really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, She makes a very hard left hand turn (laughs) and suddenly everything is a little uh, really desperate. Yeah, that's um, super bad. And I think the minute the minute she starts going into the the prayer, yeah, um, you know, you can see Rowan's face is like, oh, this is. It's not like this was Grace either. She'd already encouraged Rowan to start eating. Like, this was some some like weird mid dinner prayer where she suddenly stands up to pray too. Like there was there was nothing normal going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, Cyprian breaks into the house. Finally, he shows up. He finally shows up. <laughs> just in time to get stabbed with a carving knife uh, really in, hard and in a bad spot so. not a great spot and um, they start to try and like escape from the house which is a, the dining room is on fire but uh, you assume a house this old it'll probably all burn oh Unless... yeah it's all like that old it go up like a tinder like yeah. so and yeah. she started it with oil so mm-hmm. it's yeah it's gonna there's it's gonna burn uh, and Lasher shows up right behind Carlotta we don't know if it's for the first time or not Mm-hmm. And uh, whispers in her ear, she's already mine. Tee hee hee. And she yeah. looks unhappy. And then that's it, really. Oh, he shuts the front door. I did not understand that. Me neither. Like, now they're trapped? I don't know. Um, so. I'm sure, he doesn't want Cyprian to be involved. Um, I don't know what yeah. his what his take is on lovers of his designees. Yeah, Maybe it's he's probably cool not good because he doesn't seem to be, you know super excited and uh, like maybe some of the whole thing with the the guy who killed Deirdre was a distraction for Cyprium, which kind of feels how it was. Um, but, you know, this doesn't seem like it's going to, I mean, Cyprian stabbed. It can't really be a good thing. Right. Um, to, no, to be- plus, isn't he like seeing the whole history of that knife as it's in him too? Right. So it's not like this is a, this is going to be a bad thing. So anyway. I, I keep, I keep wondering how you know like if when he picks up his cell phone with his gloved hand and then puts his phone up to his ear does he not see the history of his phone through his earlobe oh true i don't, I don't know. know i don't know how his powers work maybe just it's just hands. hands he has 40 oh. pairs of gloves uh anyway it's an interesting episode i i was a little bit like frustrated with how they're making cyprian this like terrible protector uh yeah, it's unfortunate because i think that that's one part where they misstepped um i think they could have made it a little could have made it a little bit more out of his control or showed he was being influenced or something because he does disappear a little bit too conveniently um in a lot of these spots uh so especially when rowan seems to need him the most so he also had this interaction with um the guy, some guy in the Telemasca who's not his boss, but seems to be maybe his boss's boss. I'm not sure. That was really, he tells his boss, he tells this guy that the elevator was wiped. And the guy says, ah, thanks for letting me know. We'll look into it. You go. You're done. Goodbye. Yeah, we and, don't need help anymore. And that's a little, he gets a brush off. That seems yeah. a suspect. Yeah. So there's something going on. We'll find out what it is maybe in the next couple of episodes. I don't know. What do you what are you thinking so far? We're four in. Are you liking it? Um, there's parts I like. As I said, there's a lot of things that I think they could have um probably smoothed over a little bit more. I would like to see a little bit more sort of like smart storytelling and, and continuity and, and like when you see actors sort of struggling a little bit with it, then that that it takes you a little bit out of it. Um I think that they 
they do a pretty good job. I think that to me, the standouts in terms of acting, I think Beth Grant does an incredible job. Um, so she's really good. Um, I do like Cyprian and despite some of these things that they're, they're making decisions about with his character. Um, and I do like the sort of unfolding mystery and the, the sort of, uh, rat's nest that Rowan is trying to untangle with the Mayfair. So I think that they set those things up well. Uh, the things I'm really not loving are the, the questionable, like, I think Lasher is more interesting if you have some kind of limitation on his powers. And I don't think that they're consistent in what they're showing with him. And so that to me is the, one of the, the weaker points of the series, you know, the Talamasca as an organization, I don't know that they've done the best job at showing what they're supposed to be or why. And again, you know, maybe they have their own motivations and things like that. And we know what they are and how they got founded because we've read these books, or at least I do. Um, but the, I don't know that they've done an incredibly good job at showing that. And may, I'm hoping that maybe the series will enhance that and maybe we'll get to see more flashbacks of the of the Mayfair family to fill in some of these things. I would love to see Julian. Um, and, you know, I... I don't know where they're going with this locked in the house thing. Um, and I'm hoping that it isn't what I think it's going to do, which is, you know, having to have Rowan capitulate to, to Lasher, but I have a feeling that's where we're going. So, um, and, and, you know, she's, again, I don't know that they developed her character enough. So I, I, maybe that'll get bolstered later on, but um, some of the more interesting things about these stories are a lot of actually not to do with Rowan, but with the historical like witches in the family, like Julian and Mary Beth and like, as you go back. So I'm hoping for a little bit more of that, but there's not that many episodes left. Um, so we'll have to see what happens. No, we are already halfway through. Um, I, I, I have, have been enjoying it with the, couple of uh, exceptions like those little things that i've been mentioning i will say jack houston i think did a good job in the second line episode i think he did he, well yeah i i think he came across as the right amount of like mysterious um like creepy <laughs> sorry mysterious and creepy i think he did both yes yes yeah but i i think he yeah i think that he was doing the job of what i would have expected lasher to do in that ser- series of interactions and so I thought that was good. Um, and I, I'm still interested to see how this how this story continues. I guess I do also want the Talamasca to have a little more um, definition. It's cool for them to be a shadowy group, but it, you know they also just seem to have they're like this Hall of Justice sort of weird group of people who I don't know. I want to know more, and I guess that's a good thing. It means that uh, I'm interested in, in what else they've got to bring to the table. And I'm also interested in what the morgue guy with the camera has to bring to the table. Yeah, I mean, yeah, modern day witch hunters, I suppose, um, or whatever it might be. That's kind of what they seem to be setting him up as, um, yeah. or maybe another organization that's anti-Talamasca. Um, but we can we, we can see maybe how that unfolds. To be clear, I think Jack Houston does a pretty good job in this. He do, I liked him better in these episodes than I did in the first two. I think some of this is, again, just maybe a little trouble with the storytelling. He's a mysterious character that doesn't get to talk all that much. <laughs> so, you know, you have to kind of get a lot out of out of the appearances that he makes. But I definitely liked a lot more of what he was doing here. So maybe we'll get more 
of that in the next couple episodes. Yeah. I'm sure we will since they're locked in the house and and maybe that's what this is going to go to is that he's going to torture them or or do whatever he's doing um in the next couple episodes because, you know, they're now under his power. So Yep, exactly. Well, let's uh let's see what happens next time we get together and we will talk about episodes 5 and 6. Yeah, sounds so, good. That so- sounds Wonderful. If you are watching this show or watched it in January and February when it came out, give us a holler. Let us know what you thought um, or what you think. You can email us at reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at reanimatedpcast, and you can see all of our episodes online at reanimated.podbean.com. And I hope you are staying away from weird uh, whaling parties in the woods. Or random spirits that, you know, influence families. Um, Whatever happens, never accept a necklace from Carlotta. Yeah, true, true. Um, And until next time, ciao. Thanks for listening and bye-bye for now.